Hi, I'm Roger Blackmore. I'm the lead pastor at Genesis Church on Long Island in New York. Thanks for downloading our podcast. I hope it's a blessing to you. If you want to learn a bit more about our church, then check out our website, genesisli.com. And of course, if you live within traveling distance of us, we'd love to see you in person on Sunday morning, worshiping with us. So here's today's message. Enjoy. This morning we are beginning a teaching series which I call The Vault. Here's how it goes. I'd mentioned last week was my 49th like anniversary of, of pastoring, and I guess in 49 years I preached a few sermons. And actually in almost 21 years of this church, I preached a few sermons too. And last year, somebody said to us, do you remember this message? Would you ever think of doing it again? And that made us think, you know what? There's some stuff that's worth repeating. And then there's a lot of you that have joined us over the last few years, and you missed some really good stuff. So I don't want you to miss out. So what we're going to do this month is we're going to go, the vault is where we keep the good old teaching. And each week, I'm going to pull something out. We could call this Roger's favorite old sermons, but we're not, okay? The vault sounds, sounds far more classy, right? So that's, that's what I want to do today. And what I want to do today, Charlotte mentioned this when she was speaking on Mother's Day. She mentioned the fact that I was banned from preaching on Mother's Day because one Mother's Day, I preached a gory Bible story called Nailed It. That was back in 2010. A lot of you weren't here. So you know what I'm going to do this morning? It's not Mother's Day. So we're going to look at a gory Bible story that's called Nailed It. Hey, it's, uh, it's fantastic to be back. Uh, I, last Sunday. Okay. I, didn't, I avoided this chair last Sunday because I was afraid if I sit down, Half of you were going to think, is he going to collapse? <laughs> all right, so I, so I kept standing all the way through. All right, I'm sitting down now just for a change of position, okay? I'm really good. I am going to, as soon as we finish, I am just going to go straight back to my office and uh, just rest a little before second service. But I think last Sunday, when I look back over my years in ministry, will, will always stand out to me as one of the most special Sundays that we had together. Uh, in so many ways... Uh, I didn't get to greet most of you face-to-face at all, or even foot-to-foot, because I I hear a lot of you were were wearing my standard Sunday uniform of Converse. I was given some Converse last Sunday. I'm wearing them today. They're superhero Converse. Okay? Now, for all you Marvo people, I'm sorry. They're the Justice League. Okay? The Justice League, and most prominent on them seems to be Wonder Woman. I dedicate these to my wife. There we go. I love, I, I, I love, I love the action movies. I love all those kind of superhero movies. And uh, I, I actually particularly liked the, new, the Wonder Woman movie. When, when that one came out, I, I actually found some excuse to go with somebody else and see it twice because I thought it was absolutely fantastic. I love these action figures. You know what? Some people think about Christianity, they think it's kind of a wimpy sort of thing for people who are inadequate in life. 
And you know what? They don't even know. They certainly don't know the Bible because there are some amazing action people and actually action women in the Bible. And we're going to look at a couple of those this morning. In a moment, we're going to turn to the book of Judges. Let me give you the background. The people who led God's people, Israel, for a period of about 300 years, they were known as judges. So the leader was, the judge was, was the leader. And right through this 300 years, there was a cycle that repeated itself over and over again. And here's how it went. God gave them a leader. Everything was really good. When everything was going really good, they forgot about God and slipped away from God's ways. When they slipped away from God's ways, God allowed their enemies to overcome them. When the enemies overcame them, they cried out to God for help. When they cried out to God for help, God sent them a judge. When they had a judge, everything started doing good. But when everything was doing good, are you with me yet? You don't need me to do this for 300 years, right? You, you got the picture? It was a cycle that went on over and over again. It was like the story of the nation was a roller coaster. I mean, the good thing is that God graciously showed up each time they asked him for help. But here's the thing I want to talk about this morning. Because I've met a lot of people... And it seems to be that their Christian life, their walk with God, is a roller coaster. It's almost like that period in the history of Israel with the judges. It's almost like, you know what? There was a time when I was really gung-ho for God, and God blessed me, and everything was good. And when everything was good, you know what? I got a little bit kind of cocky, and I'm good with this. I got this. I don't need to go to church. I da, da, da. And then some things started getting messed up, and then I asked God for help, and then, then, then God intervened, and, 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 and everything was good again. And there, there are a lot of folks for whom that becomes or has become their walk with God. And that's not God's plan for any one of us. That's not how God wants it to be. It's not meant to be a red hot, then stone cold relationship. God's looking to walk alongside us through life in a consistent way. So here we are. We're going to take up a story in the book of Judges when they started doing the wrong thing again. Judges 4 verse 1. The people of Israel kept right on doing evil in God's sight. With Ehud, the previous judge, with Ehud dead, God sold them off to Jabin, king of Canaan, who ruled from Hazor. Sisera, who lived in Harasheth, oh my Lord, he lived someplace, was the commander of his army. The people of Israel cried out to God, all right? So God allowed the enemy to overcome them, Jabin, king of Canaan and Sisera, who commanded the army. And then the people cried out to God because he had cruelly oppressed them with his 900 iron chariots for 20 years. So Israel now had entered the cycle where they'd moved away from God, where an enemy power overcame them and dominated them and abused them. And here's what it says. It says, it says that he oppressed them for 20 years. Here's part of the tragedy of this story. It took them 20 years to call out to God and say, God, will you please help me? 
And here's a question I want to throw out there today in case it applies to some of you. How long are you going to wait before you call out to God and say, God, I'm sorry, it's you I really need? Because we can go on and on applying our own mandates. We can go on and on wishing and hoping that things changed and that things were better. We can go around, around in circles doing everything but the one thing we need to do, which is we bow our knee to God and say, God, I really need you. Please help me. And if that's you today, I want to encourage you, don't let it go on a single day long. May have been 20 years. Don't let it go on a single day longer. But make today the day you call out to God and say, God, will you help me? How can you live a life that avoids the ups and downs? So there are three things, of course, because I always preach in threes. There are three things that I pull from this story. Number one, listen to what God says. That sounds simple enough, doesn't it? Listen to what God says. So they cried to God for help. Here's what it says in verse 4. Deborah was a prophet, the wife of Lapidoth, and she was judge over Israel at that time. She held court under Deborah's palm between Ramah and Bethel in the hills of Ephraim, and the people of Israel went to her in matters of justice. So here's how things started to get straight again. Number one is people went to the prophet, to the judge. They went to Deborah, and they asked Deborah, what should we be doing? What does God want us to be doing? They were listening for the voice of God. In, in chapters 2 and 3 of the book of Revelation, Jesus speaks, sends a message to seven different churches. And the message is different for each church, but there are three phrases that are in common you'll find in all seven of those, and they, these are what they are. The first phrase is, Jesus says to them, I know. Hey, wherever you're at today, Jesus knows. Not in a condemnatory, you've been found out way, but in a, he knows, he cares, he's going to speak in your situation. First was he was I know. The second phrase that's repeated in each of those is this. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. He says I know. Hear what I'm saying. And then the third thing that follows on from that, he said to every one of these churches, was to him who overcomes. If you want to be an overcomer, you know what you've got to do? You've got to recognize Jesus knows. You've got to hear what he's saying. And that's the pathway to victory. Got to hear what God says. When I was in Bible college many years ago, uh, we, were, we were actually in a dormitory. They wouldn't do this nowadays, I guess. We were in this huge room. Well, it wasn't really huge, but they packed as many beds in. There were seven of us guys in this room. So we arrive, and I arrive there, and it, here we are, and we look around, and I look around, and I get to meet these guys, and, uh, and like, we're going to be sharing this room, one bathroom off it, seven guys. And the amazing thing was this. You know, everybody's different, right? And, and in Bible college, you get all kinds of different people, and you get some that are very serious, right? You've met some Christians like that, right? Like, you, you know, if they're smiled, their, their face might crack and fall apart, right? You've met those. They look like they were baptized in vinegar. But... Um, <laughs> 
So you always get those like that, God bless them, and um, then you get us. Right? I'm including you all in that as well. Like normal people, right? Let's stick together. We're normal people, right? So you get us, normal people. So we were young guys. I was 18 years old. I think the oldest of the guys there was 22, 23. So we're a bunch of young guys in college together. Yeah, it's a Bible college. And we had a lot of fun. And then there were some of these serious students who would say to us things like, you'll, you'll never make it in ministry. Yep. That was prophetic, wasn't it? Uh, it's like, you guys, you just haven't got what it takes. You, you, you're never going to be pastoring. You just haven't got, you just haven't got. And, and one of them was a guy, he was, he was an interesting guy, but I admired the fact he used to get up and pray every morning. But the only thing is, the section of the college he was in, it was another kind of big room, but it, it, was, it had cubicles with two beds in each cubicle. But the cubicles didn't go to the top. So he'd get up at the crack of dawn every day, and he'd start praying, and he prayed out loud. You know, now, I love the fact you pray, but don't wake me up with your praying. If you pray at 5 o'clock in the morning, that is fantastic. Let God hear it. I don't need to. Right? So one morning, I got up early, and I went over, and if we set this up with the, the student who was in the cubicle next, and uh, he started praying, and I said, Fred, Fred Asquith, go to Africa. And he stopped, and he said, Lord? And I said, go to, and then I started laughing. <laughs> you have never seen anybody go from deeply spiritual, like he had been, to very much down to earth, I'm going to kill you now, Roger, like in, in less than three seconds. But actually, of the seven of us in that room, five of us have spent a lifetime in ministry. So I guess we did. We did Okay. If you can't have a sense of humor in ministry, you'll never make it. Trust me. So, I've never heard God talk to me. But I've heard God talk to me. I've never heard God talk to me with my ears. I've never heard something I could say that was the voice of God in any way. But, but God talks to me. He talks to you. The Bible says we need to hear it, though, when God does talk to us. They went to Deborah and started asking her what they should be doing. In Matthew 7, Jesus said this, verse 24, these words that I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you're like a smart carpenter who builds his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. It was fixed to the rock because he worked the words of Jesus into his life. What's the secret to stability in our Christian walk? And the answer to that is we've got to listen to what God says. 
We need to be hearing what he's saying. And God talks to us in a lot of different ways. God can talk to you as you're reading the Bible for yourself. By the way, next month, the middle of September, we are going to start a series and tie it in with Tuesday night teaching by Rick Warren that is called 40 Days in the Word. And we're going to home in on, on the focus on what the Bible says and how it can be a great help to us. But the Bible speaks to us. God speaks to us while we listen to people preaching. God can speak to us through our conscience, just through an inner voice. God can speak to us through other people. Now, let me say this. You don't need somebody else to give direction to your life because God can speak that to you. But sometimes other people might be the ones who encourage us in the direction we're thinking we should be going. Listen to what God says. The second thing I want to say following on from listening to what God says is then you've got to trust God. So here they are now. They're starting to get their act together again, and they're looking to Deborah, the judge, for some guidance and advice. And then here's what it says in verse 6. She sent for Barak, son of Abinoam, from Kadesh in, Kadesh in Naphtali, and said to him, It has become clear that God, the God of Israel, commands you, go to Mount Tabor and prepare for battle. Take ten companies of soldiers from Naphtali and Zebulun. I'll take care, as God says, I'll take care of getting Sisera, the leader of Jabin's army, to the Kishon River with all his chariots and troops, and I'll make sure you win the battle. So Deborah says to Barak, here's what, here's what God wants you to do. What, what he wants you to do is go and get an army together, and uh, when you've got this army together, he wants you to, to, to go then, and uh, he is going to bring the commander and all of the army of Jabin down there, and God's going to enable you to beat them. Now, what you've got to understand is, is that Jabin's army was absolutely huge, incredibly equipped, uh, an unbelievable fighting force, and really nobody was any match for them. So she says, she says to Barak, here's what you've got to do. You've got to go, and you've got to, you've, you've got to get ready for battle, and you're going to fight against his army, and you are going to beat them. Verse 8. Barak said, if you go with me, I'll go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. So he says, look, <laughs> I, I'm really not sure about this whole thing, but since you're the prophet and since you're the judge, um, if you come with me, I'll feel a whole lot more secure. And she said to him, she said, okay, I'll come with you, but you know what? You're not going to be the one who gets credit for this victory then in the end. There's a woman who will. See, that was a good Mother's Day sermon, ladies, right? That's why it was Mother's Day. She said, there's a woman who'll do it. God told him what he wanted him to do through, through, through Deborah, and his reaction was, you know what? I don't think so. Listen, what I want to encourage you in is this. God will often ask us to do things that we don't think we're up to. God will ask us to do things that we don't think that we can really deal with. But when God asks us to do things, when we listen to what God's saying, we need then to trust what God tells us. 
Some of you today might have thought when Charlotte said we're going to take a team to the DR um, in November, some of you might have been here and you might have done this for several years now. You thought, well, you know, I'd really like to do that, but I couldn't. Why couldn't you? Well, I can't, I can't do this, I can't do that. I, I don't think I've got a, I, if, if, if I had a dollar for everybody who's told me, you know, I don't think I've got a lot to offer on a missions trip, I'd be able to finance somebody who wants to go if I got a dollar for every time somebody told me that. It's not about what you can do. It's about what God can do through you. And if you make yourself available, and if you do what God tells you to do, then you know what? You're going you're gonna to receive the blessing of, of really obeying Him. Listen to what God says, and then do what God tells you to do. You might be here today, and you've been hearing God tell you some things, like, going there doesn't really help me in my walk with God. Hanging out with these people is perhaps, kind of makes me feel just tainted, and I know I shouldn't be doing it. And what you really need to do is take the step of saying, I've heard God. Now I need to do what He says. Henry Drummond was a great preacher years ago now, and he said this. He said, unless a man undertakes more than he can possibly do, he will never do all that he can. Unless a man undertakes more than he can possibly do, he will never do all that he can. While the, while the Bible studies, I'm going to get in trouble after the service today, but um, while, while the ladies' Bible studies were going on in the summer, my wife was coming to them, and one Wednesday morning, she was down here, and I was home, and I just started doing a little bit of walking. And I decided that morning, I wanted to walk from my house to the neighbor's mailbox. I hadn't been outside yet. Now, you've got to understand with, with the complication I had after my heart surgery that basically for several weeks I was sitting in a chair and I could barely get to the bathroom and back. So I set out to walk to the neighbor's mailbox. I got halfway to the mailbox and I had to turn around and come back again. And came into the house, sat in the chair, and I was done. I was disappointed I hadn't made the mailbox. But you know what I'd done? I'd done more than I'd done at any time since my surgery. Amen. A day or two later, I just walked to his mailbox and back again, picking up my walking now. I think a mile and a third is the most I've done in any one stretch. But you know what? Unless you push yourself to what you're not really sure if you can do, then you're not going to find out if you can do it, right? And that's true in our walk with God. If we can, no, I could never do that. I could never be a part of that. I could never manage that. Listen, what you've got to do when God speaks to you is you then have got to trust Him and say, okay, if that's what you want me to do, then I'm going to go with it. And you'll find that the God who told you, who spoke to you, is the God who enables you. And you will find that God will be with you and God will bring you to where He wants you to be. So, I, I better hurry. Let's get to the juicy bit. Okay, so you listen to God, you do what God says, 
And then here's what you've got to do to get stable in your walk with God. Be brutal with what holds you back. Be brutal with what holds you back. Okay, here's the bit. This is what got me banned. Judges 4, 17. It's the Bible. Meanwhile, Sisera, sorry, they, they defeated the army actually, but Sisera, the captain, ran. Meanwhile, Sisera, running for his life, headed for the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber, Heber the Kenite. Jabin, king of Hazor, and Heber the Kenite were on good terms with each other. Jael stepped out to meet Sisera. So this is a lady. She stepped out. Stepped out. She said, come in, sir. Stay here with me. Don't be afraid. So he went with her into her tent. She covered him with a blanket. He said to her, please, a little water. I'm thirsty. She opened a bottle of milk, gave him a drink, and then covered him up again. He then said, stand at the tent flap, and if anyone comes by and asks you, is there anyone here, tell him no, not a soul. What a nice lady. Then while he was fast asleep from exhaustion, jail wife of Heber took a tent peg and a hammer, tiptoed toward him, and drove the tent peg through his temple and all the way into the ground. He convulsed and died. Darn. Don't mess with her, right? Man alive. He came to get help from the wrong person. But here's what she did. She knew who he was, but she, yep, come on in. Yep, I'll take care of you. Yep, you're okay here. And then she nailed him. He was the enemy. Once he had strength, he would kill her, and he would get back into his ways, and he would be taking on the whole of the country and oppressing them again. There was only one thing. While he was here, and while there was the opportunity, she needed to deal with him once and for all. And here's what I'm saying today. There are some of you here today, and you know what's the enemy in your life. You know the thing that's holding you back. You know the thing that, that torments you. You know the thing that causes your walk with God to be an up and down kind of thing instead of being a stable thing that you're walking in contentedly. And what I want to encourage you to do today is there's only one thing to do. You need to nail the thing that pulls you down and holds you back. Make the choice. Make the decision here today as we worship together. God, I am not going to continue in that way. I am with you your help, I am going to nail this thing. Hebrews 12, 1 says this, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, there are so many faithful believers who've gone on ahead of us. It says this, so let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. I'm speaking to you today 
about the sin that so easily entangles, and I'm encouraging you today, stop messing with it, stop making excuses for it, stop saying God understands it, and get to the place today where you determine before you leave that before God you say, Lord, I want my life to be the way you want it to be, because that's what I'm really looking for. So you know what? This thing that troubles me, this thing that bugs me, this thing that I keep slipping into, God, with your help, I'm done with it. And then as you go from here, work out the plan as to how that's going to happen. Right? Because there's got to be a strategy. Wishing and hoping and thinking and praying and planning and scheming doesn't work. And if you know those words, you're older than you look. It's not enough to say, I want to be rid of it. It's not even enough to say, God, help me be rid of it. That's a good start. But then you need to listen to God, trust Him, and do what He says. Nail it. Be all you can be for God. Let your walk with God be all that you want it to be and all that He wants it to be. And make the decision this morning. That's it. I'm going to deal with it. She took the tent peg and the mallet, and she finished it once and for all. We don't have tent pegs here today. (laughs) We forgot to supply mallets. But what I am going to ask you to do is this. Because you love God, because you want your life to be all that God wants it to be, address the thing that threatens your walk with God. And make the decision today with God's help. It's done. Let's pray.